Hello and welcome to the Alcohol Free Vibes podcast, a high vibe space where we talk about all things spirituality, manifestation, raising our vibrations and walking away from the manifestation block that is alcohol. Whether you're newly sober, sober curious or you've been sober for a long time, this is the place for you if you want to learn more about spirituality, manifestation and how letting go of alcohol can make you so much more powerful at manifesting. It's time to stop drinking, start living, raise our vibrations and step into our manifestation power. Let's get started. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Alcohol Free Vibes podcast, normally brought to you every Monday by your host, myself, Annika Reese. Although this week you may have noticed I have released the podcast a day early because I am busy doing lots of exciting things tomorrow um, on Monday. So you you get this a day early if you've noticed. So in um, most recent news, I have a new um, Facebook group called Alcohol Free Vibes Heal and Up Level Your Life. Please join it. Um, within this Facebook group, there will be lots of tips and tricks. Uh, I'll be holding Facebook Lives, webinars, um, lots of kind of inspirational training resources coming your way through this Facebook group. And of course, the community of people who join and, and continue to contribute is is hopefully going to grow and grow. So please go onto Facebook today and ask to join that and I will approve. Um, In other news, I'm still running my um, group coaching subscription or group coaching membership, as I'm calling it, uh, for only £35 a month. And this includes two Zoom group coaching sessions a month and one group coaching, well, one group meditation a month, as well as a Facebook group and weekly email check-ins really lovely community growing there um, and I would love to have more people join as well so please send me a dm or an email if you would like to join that so my email is thrive at coachingbyannika.co.uk annika is spelled a-n-n-e-k-a or you can dm me my instagram handle is at coachingbyannika or you can go on my website and, and put a submission, uh, an inquiry in through there, which is coachingbyannika.co.uk. So in today's episode, I am interviewing the lovely Dominique McManus, who is a fellow Sober Club member. I met her through the Sober Club uh, and we also attended Jenny Lee Grace's Sober Club coaches training together. So she's a fabulous friend. Um, she has had slightly longer sober sobriety than myself um I think she says in the episode um and yeah we just have a really really good chat about sobriety and our experiences in this episode so I hope you enjoy hello Dominique how are you today hello Annika I'm great thank you absolutely fantastic amazing so Dominique is one of my fellow sober club coaches and a great friend and uh yeah welcome and I'm going to ask you to start Dominique by just letting us know quick fire what are your top five favorite things about being sober um 
definitely waking up without a hangover never ever gets boring yeah um but not having that anxiety post drinking you mm. know the beer fear wine paranoia whatever you you call it mm. you know and over analyzing everything you've said or done or wondered why you did something um you know, what provoked you to do that or behave in that way or arguments that happen. You know, we've all been in those situations, haven't we, that you think that went that way because I've been drinking. And I think for me, one of the big things for giving up drinking was the anxiety that came with it and the self-loathing and mm. whatever. So <clears throat> that's a massive thing for me because I've gone from being a person who was super anxious to not really being anxious at all. Or if I am, it's about things that matter and not about things that don't matter um feeling grateful but feeling well and happy and healthy and motivated and positive I think mm. you know that whole well-being thing um really and and grateful I feel like and I've said this since the beginning I feel like I've had an, I've got another chance at life and and I think and that comes with being sober and feeling like you've got lots to look forward to um, and just generally feeling optimistic and a glass half full, pardon the pun, but half full with the right thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah and, 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 and probably the fact that I didn't realise how small my life was before mm. compared with how it is now. And, you know, the people that I've met and the situations that I find myself in and the do different things that I do now that I would never have dreamt that I would have done before. And, and that's through getting sober, because I think we both know that it isn't, it isn't about ditching the booze or getting sober. It's that everything that happens as a result of that, isn't it? It just kind of underpins what happens thereafter. Yeah, I completely agree. The, 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 the getting sober is the first step in showing up for yourself and doing the healing work that you need to do to create the life that you want really isn't it that's kind of the process that you've just described there yeah absolutely and we talk about don't we like sort of like our emotional how you know if you start drinking at a certain age which we all do and you know then we don't grow emotionally because we just deal with every situation mm. whether it be happy or sad by kind of numbing it out with alcohol even though we don't realize we're numbing it out yeah. And actually getting sober and learning to deal with things that maybe you should have, well, not maybe, we know we should have dealt with, you know, years ago. And that's really uplifting in a way. It's because as you peel back those layers and they keep coming, don't they? You all know that, you know, mm -hmm. you think that you get to six months sober or a year sober and you think, well, that must be it now. But it just keeps coming and you keep learning more and more stuff about yourself. Mm -hmm. And becoming the per I feel now that I'm the person that I would have grown up to be and yeah. and feel for the first time in my life actually happy with who I am and confident and and liking myself which I think most people would agree with when they drink or or take drugs or whatever they don't really like themselves because they wouldn't do that would mm. they to themselves so I think yeah we grow so much don't we emotionally and we're so much more self-aware and aware of other people and I think somebody described it to me the other day and said well the difference is now Dom is that we are actually awake 
Yeah. That's how I feel. Like I've been walking around in a fog and now I am awake. So true. And, you know, when we, when we're drinking regularly, um, I kind of describe it as we're like living in the ego self. So we've got our two sort of main facets of being, we've got our ego self and we've got our higher self and our ego self lives in like um, fear stories. It lives in the material world. It lives in, you know, um, being stuck in like what you can't do and, and catastrophizing everything. And of course, when we're living in the ego self, of course we need to numb. It's a horrible state to be in. We feel powerless. We feel worried all the time. But drinking keeps us stuck in this ego self and it it cuts us off from our higher self, from our inner voice of wisdom, from our voice of intuition. And when we can really connect in with that voice, we are, as you say, we're waking up. We're coming out of those those constructs, those fear stories that have been keeping us stuck for for so long. Um, That so resonates with me. And and something I also found really helpful in what you just said is, you know, the, the healing journey that we, we go on when we are sober, um, you know, anyone who's listening to this, who's just starting out and they might be getting frustrated that, you know, they don't feel great, you know, straight away is that we are bravely opening ourselves up to feeling our feelings when we stop numbing. And sometimes that's really uncomfortable, but it's not because we're not, getting better it's because we're looking at what needs to be healed and as you say Dominique there's like there's never there's always another layer there isn't there yeah yeah yeah, absolutely and yeah I think so I mean that really I think that I always thought that I was happy and positive but I wasn't and like that you're caught in that negative feedback loop aren't you Mm. all the time that everything is a disaster everything is a drama and you know you just can't see your way out and everything seems like feels like overwhelm and it is Mm. it's yeah catastrophizing I mean my brother he says to me like something will happen now and I go okay yeah okay that's fine we can sort that out and he'll laugh and say oh wow because Chardonnay Don would have like had a meltdown by now and and it's true isn't it it's because you can just see things for what they are because yeah we're not in this fog I think I was in this constant fog all the time and like on a hamster wheel Mm. and I just couldn't see that the thing that I thought was helping me deal with that was the thing that was actually keeping me stuck there You know, it's like, I've had a really bad day. I'll have a glass of wine. That'll make me feel better, which it probably does for about 20 seconds. Mm. But then it's just, you know, and then and then you kind of, do you do that? And then the next day you feel awful again. And then the cycle begins again. And you just can't see your way out. But it, it's, for me now, it's like, it was so obvious. And it was there all the time. But we can't see it, can we? But now it seems so simple that, that the one thing that we thought was making us happy and sociable and confident was doing exactly the opposite, wasn't it? And yeah, that makes sense when you say the ego self. Mm. And yeah, I think that we are more in touch with our higher self now. I mean, Mm. don't get me wrong, every now and again, you kind of have to rein yourself in, don't you? And stop yourself falling back into that old way of thinking because we behave like that for so long. Mm. But don't you find it's just refreshing? It's it, that way. When I think about it now, it's just utterly exhausting. Yeah, isn't it? it is exhausting. And, and you're right. We've, we've been sold lies like we can't blame ourselves 
um, or anyone for believing the lies that alcohol will make you feel better. Because ultimately, we were always trying to raise our vibrations. It's our natural inclination to want to try and raise our vibrations, right? And if we're being sold the lie that alcohol will, will help us to do that, of course, like, of course, we were going to get asked for a drink. Of course, we were going to have one glass of wine when we came home from work. We just didn't understand that we were achieving the opposite. And, you know, alcohol is tricky because, you know, the way that it affects our neurochemistry, it trains our brain that it is raising our vibrations because it gives us that initial hit of of dopamine of serotonin of endorphins and then you know when we counterbalance that with um, cortisol and adrenaline and dynorphin which is stress and depressant hormones um oh by the time we start to really get pulled down the feeling good scale oh we're inebriated and we can't lay down memories properly so we don't remember that bit we just remember the bit when it made us feel better and then there we have our incorrect fucked up neural programming <laughs> yeah. thank it's you alcohol take a bow <laughs> exit stage left but it's interesting you say that about the dopamine because I read somewhere the other day and it said the thing is, is it's like alcohol is like it's a dopamine dump isn't it yeah Do you know what I mean it just dumps it on it and then the high and then the low whereas what we need is the drip feed of the dopamine mm. you know the drip the drip feed of the dopamine is when a child holds your hand, you know, or when you go for a walk or something nice happens or somebody smiles at you. What you need is this kind of drip feeding this happiness thing all the time, mm. not this like, you know, my life, my day has been really awful, but I'm going to make it all right with this great big large glass of wine. But like you say, dump the dopamine and then, you know. But that's it. Game over, isn't it? Because one is never enough, is it? Yeah. And then you wake up the next morning feeling really anxious and like horrible and depressed. And then the cycle of addiction begins, which, by the way, let's destigmatize this word addiction, because, you know, you don't have to be um, dependent to the point of needing a medical detox to be addicted to alcohol everybody's addicted to alcohol just as much everyone that smokes more than you know if everyone even if you smoke once a week when you go to the pub you're addicted to nicotine that's why you're doing it alcohol is no different and we should stop attaching shame to that because it's not any there's nothing wrong with anybody is there it's it's the alcohol that's the problem exactly right? and that's the thing is you know when people say oh it's a disease or whatever no it's just a really really addictive thing you know yeah. and you can't help it and the thing is like you say people say about oh, addiction once you start putting the rules around something then mm. it's a problem isn't it you know yeah. when people say oh but I when people try and sober shame you and go oh I could give up all the time you know I only drink on a on a, a I don't drink on a school night or only drink on the weekend okay so you're putting rules around it so you're you are having to control your behavior because otherwise you wouldn't be in control and you know the difference yeah. is is that we've realized that actually that's no fun is it and also I mean do you have to put rules around your consumption of bananas hmm? Are you like, do you spend half an hour explaining to somebody when you they tell you they don't eat bananas? Do you spend half an hour explaining why you don't have a problem with bananas? No. And justifying equally, why you eat same, bananas? No. Equally in the same way, you wouldn't kind of sit there one night having watched the telly and consumed a banana think, you know what, I've run out of bananas, so I'm going to put my coat on and <laughs> walk to the corner shop and buy some more bananas. Because you just wouldn't, would you? But yeah. it's... 
or feel yeah. guilty that you've had no. or, or sit yeah. there and spend the rest of the night thinking I'm gonna have another one no 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 I mustn't no I won't no I've been really good I mean this is another thing that um I often say to, to to coaching clients at the beginning of their journey, just how much space has alcohol actually been taking up in your life? Because it's not just the moment when you're drinking it. It's the moments when you're not drinking it of thinking about when you're next going to have a drink and no, 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 I'm not going to have one tonight. And, um, you know, the space it takes up when you're hungover, this, like the, the thinking power that it takes up is just ridiculous, isn't it? And, and it is because it's the, Yes, and it is all consuming. And if I think that I used to think that I didn't have time for anything and the life was so busy and everything was a drama, but I had time for a glass of wine or more, as it would turn out. But if I think about what I do with my life now and how much I pack in since I don't drink, that my drinking self would, wouldn't have, you know, there's no way you could have contemplated that. But like you say, it's not the time that you're sat you know, in the pub with a drink or at home with a glass of wine. It's the time that you feel hungover, you know, or the time that maybe you don't just feel hungover, but, you know, when everybody says that classic, oh, I'm not hungover, I'm just a bit tired. You know, that kind of, mm -hmm. oh, yeah, no, I don't have a hangover, I'm just feeling a bit tired. But you lose that time. You know, you don't, the joy that we feel now, because we're a bit crazy and, are, you know, I'm up at, at silly time in the morning on the beach because I'm lucky enough to live by the sea. But why would I want to give that up you know because that's the best time of the day and I think I missed out on all of that you know and there's I don't know I think we talked about things before when people think that they're giving up something yeah you know I give up the booze well no you didn't I didn't give up the booze I gave back my life to myself you know this is it it's the abundance approach as I like to call it and actually you're right it's sobriety is the biggest gift you'll ever give yourself oh I, I heard this quote recently I can't remember who said it it's not it's not an original Annika it is a quote from somebody else said it which is sobriety gave me has no sobriety has given me everything that alcohol ever promised and I oh like I like that yeah it's true True story. So for you, Dom, what was your moment when you realised that is it? I'm not going to drink anymore. Well, I, I, I'd known for a long time that it was kind of it wasn't good and it was getting out of control and and in not in a like crazy out of control way, but not in the way I wanted to live my life. And I think I realised it was making me miserable and the anxiety and I was just tired all the time. And I was actually sick of hearing myself say, mm. I'm tired and moaning and, you know, that you do when you're in that negative feedback loop all the time. Mm. And I'd done quite a lot of research like we did, we, like we all do. And I've had, I had a few years of doing sober October and dry January. And I think I, in lockdown in 2020, the first lockdown, just before lockdown, I'd been really sober curious. Mm. And then at the beginning of lockdown, everybody's drinking. Anybody who was drinking, they're drinking ramped up because mm. suddenly we had an excuse, didn't we? Yeah, I was one of those. Yeah. And I think so. I think we went into lockdown where I was. I was in the Bahamas at the time working and then suddenly work stopped and we were home. And it was it was because none of us knew how long it was going to go on. So it was a bit like it was like getting an extra week school holiday, wasn't it? When you yeah. thought you were going back to to school. And I think I bought because there the the liquor store shut and you couldn't buy drink. And I think we bought or I bought three cases of wine 
So that was 18 bottles of wine. And 18 days later, I'd run out of wine and we were still in lockdown. <laughs> and I thought, this is absolutely crazy. This is just, and I think I'd read that book, The Tired of Thinking About Drinking. And yeah. I, it, for me, that was the thing I thought, that's what I'm doing. Because it's almost like, right, okay, so I've got this many bottles of wine left and there's this many days. If I yeah. only drink this or I don't drink that or... I was the same I was actually worse so in Dubai where I was when we were going into lockdown the absolute first thing I was thinking was oh my god I cannot run out of alcohol this cannot happen and I was catastrophizing like what if we they close the off licenses what if they stop importing all the alcohol so and I was not the only woman or person in Dubai who was feeling like this because when I went to the off license it was the shelves were like bare and you know what they never ran out and they never stopped selling it but people were panicking panic buying alcohol I had so much alcohol in my in my like spare toilet it was I never even drank it all. I ended up giving it away because well, I stopped well, that's drinking. What happened, that's what happened to me because we, so the 18, 18 bottles of Chardonnay disappeared. And then we had a friend who worked for the local importer and suddenly there was this, um, this whole buying alcohol on the black market. I mean, we weren't allowed out. We were in lockdown, but people were finding a way to do these dodgy transactions. And I just thought this is absolutely bonkers now. Mm-hmm. And I think that people were breaking rules on lockdown. Um, I wasn't because I was still in that negative, like, um, sort of like catastrophizing about that. You know? Oh, me too. I was like, I was like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I can't break the rules because we're British and we don't I'm, break rules. I'm going to follow the rules and I'm going to sit here and have a bloody good drink and everything, yeah. everything will just disappear. And yeah. <laughs> and, and it was just I think so then I decided on that so we went into lockdown 23rd of March I think then the 1st of April um I'd been thinking and I thought well or was it the 1st of May it must have been by then and and I think I lasted a few days and then my flatmate who'd been sort of climbing over the wall into the next apartment for for booze and stuff and um and I just thought do you know what I think we bought more wine by then and then I thought actually I don't think I want to do this anymore because I think I'd read something as well that said, if you did a hundred days, then you'd never go back. If you could give up wine for oh, booze for a hundred days, you'd never go back. Mm. And I've said this to my flatmate and she was like, you could never do that. You can't go a hundred days without, um, without a drink. And I thought, actually, that's one other thing that I am. Um, nobody tells me I can't do something. Uh-huh. And I thought, well, do you know what? I'm going to give this a go. And by that stage, we'd managed to have buy loads of booze. So our spare room, probably like yours, was then stocked full of cases of wine and cases of beer. Yeah. And what's incredible is I then stopped drinking on the 18th of May and that booze stayed there. And then when I left the country in September, I sold it off. Mm. You know, but it was it never triggered me being there because I think by that point, I'd read that much on the benefits of, of of not drinking that I didn't feel that I was missing out on anything you know That's I think impressive. I was more worried about how how I was going to tell people because mm. you know what it's like if you live in an expat community and mm. you tell somebody that you don't drink anymore that's like telling them you don't breathe anymore you know it's like yeah. so I was more was more worried about that which is where the 100 day challenge thing was great because I didn't have to say I'm on antibiotics or I've, this is wrong. I just said, I'm doing a hundred days challenge and people then didn't question. Mm. Um, 
but yeah uh, yeah so I think I think I've said this before that we had this 70s drinks cabinet that was filled with every kind of spirit known to man because people used to come around and you know abandon bottles or things would get left and I just had this visual image that it had that warning tape that the police put out you know when there's been an incident or, or, yeah. or the stuff that you get on a bleach bottle with a skull and crossbones so for me I would just look at it and imagine that it was poisonous and why would I want to drink it um, that's such a helpful technique to use because I'm a visual so for yeah. me it was like or just imagine that all those bottles in there are like just countless bottles of Domestos you know yeah. because that's literally what you're doing to yourself but I don't know about you Annika but I felt the benefits so quickly mm. and yeah. um, I mean I know that everybody doesn't feel that and I didn't I found I didn't find it as hard as I thought I was going to do from somebody who was drinking a bottle of wine every day. Mm. I, it, I didn't find it as hard. But then I think that in that respect, lockdown was a bit of a gift to me because I wasn't going to work. Yeah. So the things that, that the, the trauma of that that would normally trigger me and normally I need to go home and have a glass of wine because I've had a hard day wasn't there. So, you know, for mm. me, I will always look back on, you know, the lock, the first lockdown as kind of a bit of a gift that way you See, know? for me what's interesting is so I um had a few experiences of giving up drinking which were really helpful from a coach's perspective so uh, I feel like I understand a lot more about dif- how different people experience giving up drinking now so the first time I stopped drinking I was 25 and obviously in the grand scheme of things I've not really been drinking for that long even though I drunk a huge amount of alcohol at my university and for the three years following it um but I remember very quickly um feeling on top of the bloody world and was farting rainbows and everything was just wonderful and I then had like a subsequent like I always say it's a year and a half, but it wasn't. It was a year and three months. Um, So I've now gone way past that mark. Um, I had like a subsequent year and three months of just utter bliss of just being like, being sober is the best drug in the whole world. However, this second, and God knows why I was stupid enough to start again, but this is an example of fading effect bias when you're like, well, I can always stop again. And, you know, just one, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Um, But yeah, this, the, the subsequent times that I stopped drinking, I, in that time, had developed what I now understand was PTSD um, in response to a very traumatic breakup and and an anxiety disorder and was rather surprised at the difference (laughs) in not drinking, not being able, not having a numbing agent when you're like, oh, I actually have some neurological imbalances going on in my body and in my brain. (laughs) So... Yeah. And the other thing that I would say to add to that is, um, I think because I'd been drinking for so much longer, it took my brain a bit longer to recalibrate. Like when I was 25, I was I was like a young little bunny rabbit. Everything just bounced, popped back into place really quickly. And then as a like, I'm now 37. Like it took me, I think, about a year for it to properly go back to where it was, I think. So Mm -hmm. I think it can be so different depending on all these other moving parts. So it's so important, I think, that everyone, that we don't compare ourselves to other people because even I'm the same person, but my experiences have been so different depending on what was going on in my life at that time. It doesn't mean that it's still not going to, like alcohol still, whatever, whether you've got uh, PTSD, 
anxiety issues, whatever, alcohol is stealing your joy, whatever you're going through, even if not drinking it for a while is really, really uncomfortable. Like alcohol is definitely still stealing your joy and you will feel better for not doing it. But it's just interesting how, yeah, everyone has a different experience. Yeah, I think so. And I think it depends on what your motivators are and your reason, <clears throat> excuse me, for, for deciding that, that now's the time. And, you know, but all sorts of things. I mean, for me, I'm, you know, that much older than you. And I felt like maybe, you know, some of the anxiety and things that I was feeling, maybe that was to do with menopause. I'd, I'd read a lot about for older women, you know, you know, my mum's not great. She has dementia now. She's only, you know, she was only in her 70s then. And I read lots of things around health as, you know, as we get older as women, because you then start to, I don't know, it's the reality of of a certain age, you know, as well. And so many things you don't realise that are linked to drinking, you know, and, I, and for me, I didn't want to feel like that anymore. And interestingly enough, although actually giving up the drink wasn't as hard as I thought it was going to be, um, because in the past, when I'd done, you know, dry January or sober October, I'd white knuckled it the whole way through the month, counting the days to when I could drink again. Yeah. So, but I felt the things that symptoms I had that I thought were menopause symptoms, they all disappeared as Mm. well. So, and knowing that you're actually doing something good for yourself and for your body. And even though you're that much younger than me, when you go to, when you've been given up for a while and you go to the doctors for a checkup or you go for anything and you have to fill something in and they say, do you smoke? No, you know, how much do you drink? I don't. Well, no, no, how much do you drink a week? No, I don't drink anything. What, all week? No, you know, and actually- This is what I'm doing for myself, but yeah. I think I have tried over the years so many times to give up. So when we see people, you know, like you say, from a coach's perspective, when they said, I've had so many day ones, you know, just because when I finally gave up, it wasn't as hard as I was anticipating it being because I tried so many times before because I'd Mm. had so many day ones. And like we were saying before, it just gets exhausting. And yeah, yeah, I just, I don't want to be this person anymore. And, you know, I, but I uh, probably a bit like you now, I want other people to be able to feel how we feel and feel the joy that you, you mm. do feel. And it sounds a bit corny, it's but true, it though. is true. It's true. It's so true. And, but, and it is possible, but we are all brainwashed, aren't we? You know, it yeah. is that social glue that holds things, particularly in this country. Oh gosh. Yeah. Together. But, there's you so know, much brainwashing um, and there's so much, like, I mean, it's the only drug that we have to justify not taking. Not taking. But as a for, as a woman, okay, so there's all the other reasons for giving up drinking, but you put a picture up or you show somebody a picture of what you look like when you're drinking and one even six months later. And I, you know, there's nobody that doesn't look better, is there? And looks younger and looks healthier. And, and I'm, I'm definitely wearing a lot more clothes. If I look at the pictures of me in my Instagram when I was drinking, I <laughs> um so that's um not I I absolutely I'm not putting any women down that wear short skirt I still like to get my legs out um but I yeah it's in I think Catherine Gray talks about in the unexpected joy of being sober how she had this big shift between dressing like quite provocatively 
a lot of the time to then just being like, you know what, I'm not going to do that anymore because it's, there's nothing wrong with showing your flesh up at all, but it's, where's that coming from? Why, why do I need that reassurance that yeah. I'm hot because men are going to react to me in a particular way because I've got my um, really short dress on and my high heels on. And um, I like, yeah, I, I came across a picture uh, today actually that I posted on my old Instagram and I was like, oh my God, I would never post that <laughs> But you'd say about that, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure I'm not alone in that I would, you know, I was lonely and like lots of us are and you drink for that as well. And then, mm. you know, the amount of conversations you have on text with people when you're drinking that you don't remember anything about the, the morning after, you know, or you find that you get brave, you think you're being brave, saying something, but actually you're just being really stupid and, you know, oh. and things that you wouldn't mm. normally do. I mean, I resigned twice by text. <laughs> <laughs> And then, you know, I'm thinking and actually waking up the next day, you know, with half a recollection of that. Now you try backpedaling from that. You know, it's like, oh, God. But the thing is, as well, I think, is you don't. I mean, we, if you're the kind of person who wears their heart on the sleeve, which I am, I think, yeah, me too. You know, and because that's why we, that's part of the reason we've fallen into this is because we're looking for that kind of reassurance validation and whatever but you don't need to tell everybody everything and that's what you know that's what drink does I mean you've only got to go out haven't you now and you at a certain point in the evening and you might go to the ladies you know you're in a pub meet the friend for a, for a drink because obviously we can still go out and have a drink we just don't drink alcohol you know we yeah. still go and you'll be in the toilets won't you and you'll see the girls that have just had that bit too much and they're all loving each other like a sister you know and you think you're actually behaving in a way that you would never behave if you hadn't had a drink and I think you know we are caveat no judgment ladies to anyone who does do that because Dom and I have both done that (laughs) ourselves so we're not judging you at all we're judging we are more laughing at the the it's it's alcohol that's the yes. problem it it reduces our inhibition so much and yeah. yeah I mean we've all had that feeling when you wake up in the morning and you're like oh no yeah I didn't say that to him or her <laughs> or oh damn it I've messaged my ex again <laughs> I hate that feeling but that's what people that's what we do isn't it and I think I think as well for me in the beginning I'd wake up and I'd open one eye and I think Oh no, I didn't drink last night. I don't even need to look at my phone and yeah. think, what did I do or who did I ring last night? Or, or I used to be, what did I eat? That was the first thing. And I can remember the number of times I used to wake up in Dubai and be like, oh, good old me. I didn't, I didn't eat anything when I came in last night. And then I'd go in the kitchen and be like, uh, who's broken into my flat and like raided my kitchen and I'd just be like following the crumbs of food across the floor trying to work out like what I'd eaten be like right there's cheese there's definitely cheese being consumed and like I can make it a joke now but the shame and the yeah. remorse I would feel when following those trails of crumbs I can't even tell you like it made me feel sick with anxiety like oh my god I can't believe I've eaten that whole thing of cheat of, of oh no and then the one time when I woke up and my I'd gone to sleep with my flat door wide open I, I'm like that's just not safe <laughs> um anyway we've gone down our, our little kind of catastrophe path there um but the conclusion ladies and gentlemen is that when we stop drinking we welcome in joy we welcome in abundance we welcome in more of what we want and we welcome in healing. 
and I say hurrah for that. Um, thank you so much, Dom, for joining us today. Um, if anyone wants to follow you on Instagram, what is your Instagram handle? Um, as I am a florist, my Instagram handle is at the sober flower girl. At the sober flower girl. So, as I said at the beginning, Dom is one of Jenny Lee Grace's sober club coaches, along with me. Um, that is why we are such good friends. And yeah, so I thank you so much for coming on the podcast today, Dom. And I look forward to catching up with you again soon. Thanks for asking me. Bye, Annika. Thank you so much for listening to me today. If you would like to have a chance of winning a free one-to-one coaching session with me, then I'd love it if you could leave me a five-star review. All you need to do is take a screenshot of the review and send it to me at thrive at coachingbyannika.co.uk and I would love to connect with you. If you would like to connect with me further and you'd like to download my free guide, then please go to my website and you can do that and you'll be added to my mail list. Or if you would just like to book in a free discovery call with me, then you can do so via my email address or through my website. All of these links will be in the show notes. And I hope you have a wonderful, magical, sober week. And I will see you this time next week.